war, or at least the threat of war, is actually a crucial instrument that is being used and has been used for generations now by the deep state to advance the globalist agenda, to advance this whole movement toward global governance. Uh, and they've told us on multiple occasions that this is what they're doing. We don't even have to speculate about this. We don't have to theorize because they told us all of it. So I want to go through just a little bit of the information because you know, I, th I think there's a a misplaced willingness among the modern conservative movement today to rush off to war. Somehow we've been duped into believing that war is conservative uh, when nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, war is being used to undermine conservatism, undermine liberty, undermine our constitution, undermine our national sovereignty, uh, and undermine uh, everything that we hold dear, including our values, our traditions, our churches, and so on. So let's break this down. Uh, you know, I think this was seen really, really clearly in uh, both World War One and World War II. One of the things that happened right afterwards was the formation of the so-called League of Nations. Now, this was meant to be the proto-global government. Uh, fortunately, uh, our, our Senate was uh, filled with people who were wise enough to recognize how dangerous this was, and so they shot down that idea, and we ended up not joining the League of Nations that our president at the time had been so instrumental in creating. And thank goodness for that. Uh, that really set the globalists back quite a bit, but they didn't give up. In fact, uh, they went back to the drawing board. They set up an organization in the United States to move us in that direction, and uh, we'll get to that in a future episode of Behind the Deep State. Another thing that came out of World War I was this unprecedented use of federal power to silence critics. I mean, they were literally throwing um, critics of the warmongering into jail. I mean, they were arresting people and jailing them. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we saw during the Civil Civil War, uh, totally inappropriate, totally unconstitutional, uh, and yet it was happening on American soil. Uh, after World War II uh, and during World War II, we also saw in an incredible way how this war was used to advance the globalist agenda. Uh, the first and most obvious thing that happened was they created the United Nations, right? After World War II, the UN formally came together, Joseph Stalin on one side, uh, our government on the other. Alger Hiss was our guy, and we've talked about him before. Of course, we threw him in prison afterwards because he was working for Joseph Stalin. So they created the United Nations, which was, again, the proto-global government, and they told us that. In fact, uh, uh, even John Foster Dulles in his book War or Peace explained that um, the UN Charter, as it existed at the time, would be suitable for the creation of a global government with teeth in it. So um, that would not have been possible without U.S. involvement in World War II. Uh, it also resulted in the creation of the European Union. And we've done uh, entire episodes on that in Behind the Deep State, showing how uh, the European Union is now smashing national sovereignty, smashing nation states, and imposing these uh, regional super states on the peoples of Europe. And of course, now we have in Africa, the African Union and all around the world, we see this exact same trend. Putin is building the Eurasian Union. Um, we also brought about incredible social changes that would have been unthinkable uh, through the use of World War II. Uh, for example, they sent all the men off to fight. And so what happened? The women had to go uh, to work, had to go into the factories, had to make the weapons, had to take over the farms. Uh, and of course, that got a lot of children into the hands of daycare where they could be manipulated and brainwashed. So enormous social changes took place in the United States as a result of both World War I and World War II that fundamentally transformed our society in a way that was more uh, pleasing to the globalists. 
We continue to see uh, these types of agendas being advanced through the use of war all the way up to today. Uh, the Middle East wars, I think, are a very good example of this. Uh, they were sold to us based on lies. And then they're being used to advance this concept of regional government and even global government. Uh, for example, uh, all these wars in the Middle East that uh, the establishment, the deep state, has been so instrumental in fomenting have been used and are being used. Uh, we can show uh, you know, a CFR article promoting the, uh, the creation of a Middle Eastern Union over the once sovereign nations of the Middle East uh, under the guise of stopping all this war that they themselves have been stirring up. And so just imagine what a World War III might create. Would we finally usher in a global government? Well, I think uh, the globalists, if they have anything to say about it, would very much like to see that. And they've told us that they're doing this, right? I want to show you guys a, a clip in just a moment of George H.W. Bush. Uh, you know, pretty much everybody remembers Anybody who's paying attention, I should say, remembers when he talked about this new world order, a world where a credible United Nations was going to use its peacekeeping role, uh, as in, you know, those child raping UN peace troops that are so famous around the world for uh, sex trafficking, raping children, raping women, killing civilians, uh, overthrowing uh, free governments like they did in Katanga to impose uh, communist dictatorships. Nasty, nasty things. And uh, I want to show you guys just this quick, uh, quick video clip of George H.W. Bush talking about how the purpose of the U.S. war uh, in Iraq, in Kuwait, was so much broader than just saving this one small country. Check it out. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order, where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind peace and security, freedom and the rule of law. You know, again, this is them telling us that um, they are using these wars to advance their vision of a new world order. And again, Bush has defined what this new world order is. It's basically a world government run by the United Nations. And every time they, they get one of these wars started, it moves us closer into that direction. You know, in Syria, they were talking about empowering the International Criminal Court and on and on. Now, I mentioned that uh, conservatives in America have traditionally been uh, very weary of war, uh, and this was for good reason, right? War is the antithesis of conservatism, especially in America. And then along came William Buckley. I mean, this is a guy who worked for the Central Intelligence Agency. This is a guy who was a member of the Deep State Organization Council on Foreign Relations. Go, watch, go back and watch our episode on the CFR if you have not seen that, because you can't understand the deep state in America without understanding the CFR. Uh, and even the Skull and Bones, the Secret Society. Go back and watch that video we did about the skull and bones probably one of the most secret powerful secret societies in the united states up through today uh leaders in both parties you know democrats republicans john Kerry, george w bush they're all uh, members of this little secret club and um this is what william buckley said and he was talking about the use of war to justify these crazy unconstitutional powers being usurped by the federal government in 1952, he wrote in a liberal journal called Common Wheel, he said that he was willing to support, quote unquote, big government for the duration of the Cold War. He said this is because only a, quote, totalitarian bureaucracy within our shores could protect America from this. So he said we have to, quote, support large armies and air forces, atomic energy, central intelligence, war production boards, and the attendant centralization of power in Washington. 
does that sound like something coming from a conservative? I mean, that sounds like something coming from a Trotskyite or from a Joseph Stalin or from a national socialist, right? This idea that, um, you know, we have to give up our freedom to protect our freedom. It's absolutely idiotic. The founding fathers would have been absolutely appalled. Uh, and in fact, the founding fathers, we'll get back to them in a moment, were very clear about their disdain for standing armies, for standing military forces, for centralization of power in Washington, right? That's why they created a constitution to prevent that exact thing. And notice they didn't put in any little clause in there that, well, if there's a war, then we'll just put all this aside and accept a totalitarian bureaucracy within our shores and centralize all power in Washington. That's crazy talk, right? They, they, they never would have agreed to that. Um, and, you know, this has been a concept that has popped up in fiction a lot, too. I'm sure a lot of the viewers have, have read the book 1984. Uh, very important book. And uh, if you read it, you'll notice that this idea of perpetual war is one of the many tools that the totalitarian superstate uses to keep the people in line, right? Uh, Oceania and Eurasia and East Asia, these three regional bloc superpowers, are constantly at war with each other. And, you know, sometimes they lie to the people if the alliances shift. They say, oh, well, we've always been at war with Eurasia. Or we've always been at war with East Asia, right? They, so they lie just like uh, the deep state does today. But notice how important this concept of perpetual war is to the centralization of power, to the destruction of liberty. So we also notice that the biggest promoters of endless war in the United States have always been these deep state organizations. Uh, people like the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderberg Group, the Skull and Bones. Uh, and in many cases, the globalist establishment has actually built up the very enemies that they claim we need to go fight against. In fact, uh, I could give so many examples of this. Uh, here's a, a video of President Trump showing how uh, Obama and Hillary Clinton actually created ISIS. And ISIS, of course, is what was being used to uh, try to drive the American people into a war hysteria so that we would go start another war in Syria and overthrow uh, the government over there. Check this out. I call President Obama and Hillary Clinton the founders of ISIS. They're the founders. You get the MVP award. ISIS will hand her the most valuable player award. Her only competition is Barack Obama between the two. And so we have so many examples of this. I mean, the U.S., even in Iran, right, all, all the warmongering right now surrounding Iran, uh, it was the U.S. establishment, the globalist deep state that helped overthrow the pro-America Shah of Iran. Now, we've got a great article about that up at The New American from James Perloff. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. You can't understand Iran if you don't understand that. And the, again, the globalists have been very, very clear about how they use war and the threat of war to advance their global government. In fact, they spelled it out explicitly for us in 1962, uh, a, a member of the CFR, a globalist called Lincoln Bloomfield, actually wrote a report in 1962 for the Institute for Defense Analyses, and this was uh, involved the State Department as well. And this report was called A World Effectively Controlled by the United Nations. Their goal, as the title spells out, was a world controlled by the United Nations, that dictator's club, that group of mass murderers and kleptocratic gangsters uh, that really do want to become the, the planetary government. And uh, in this report, uh, Bloomfield explained that competition or wars between governments and these regional super governments would dramatically accelerate this timeline, this quest for a global government. So um, some of the some direct quotes from this report that I want to give you, because it's just so important that you understand this if you if you want to understand how the deep state works and how war is such an important tool. They say a normal historical process in which ever larger units evolve through customs unions, confederation, regionalism, like the European Union, until ultimately the larger units coalesce under a global umbrella could take up to 200 years on past performance figures. And even this may be optimistic. 
He says, I have suggested that an alternative road may bypass the main path of history, short-circuiting the organic stages of consensus, value formation, and the experiences of common enterprise generally believed to underlie political community. And so this plan, Bloomfield said, uh, relies on, quote, a grave crisis or war to bring about a sudden transformation in national attitudes sufficient for the purpose. Uh, he says this world order that's, you know, world governed by the United Nations they want could, quote, be brought into existence as a result of a series of sudden, nasty and traumatic shocks. And he says, again, quote, thus a hypothetical model can be constructed fulfilling the characteristics of a world effectively controlled by the United Nations. Then he goes on, we concluded that in theory it could come about in the short, medium, or long run by a brink of war or a war combined with the development of evolutionary trends that might favor it as the time span stretches out. Do you understand now how important war is, endless perpetual war, to the advancement of this new world order deep state agenda? If you don't understand, go back and watch that again. Go read this report for yourself. They spell it out for you in plain English. War is one of their crucial tools for bringing this about. Uh, there was actually a, a radical left winger who had some really interesting insight. His name was Randolph Bourne. He said that war is the health of the state. And he was exactly right on this point. I mean, you know, he was a radical leftist. He did, to his credit, uh, reject the uh, the ramblings of John Dewey, you know, the, uh, the guy who uh, basically created the government school system to fundamentally transform America in the United States. Uh, also, so uh, President Wilson, this idiotic idea that we're going to spread democracy uh, through perpetual war, right? D democracy, of course, being a form of government that our founding fathers uh, very, very clearly rejected. Go read Federalist 10 by James Madison. You'll see why he thought democracy was a terrible form of government and why we ought to have a Republican form of government instead. Now, there's all kinds of other things we could address, but just in the interest of time, you know, think about the national debt. All these wars, we spent trillions of dollars on wars just in the last couple of decades, Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, you know, all these uh, endless dollars spent on war. If you really believe in national security, if you really want to protect the United States, you need to be very concerned about that. Our national debt is now over 20 trillion. If you add in all the unfunded liabilities, all the promises that the government has made that they're not going to be able to keep, we're talking now 200 trillion in unfunded liabilities, 200 trillion. Right? The, the the entire GDP of the United States for a year is less than 10% of that. Uh, we're talking now uh, debt that is completely unpayable, that will absolutely crush this nation if we don't start dealing with this now. And one of the chief ways that they've been able to pile all this debt on the backs of us and our children and our grandchildren is through war, constant war, perpetual war. Our founding fathers understood this in America. I just want to give you a couple quotes and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, George Washington, in his farewell address in 1796, he said that overgrown military establishments are, under any form of government, inauspicious to liberty and are to be regarded as particularly hostile to Republican liberty. That's why the founding fathers said no standing armies in America. Yes, states should have militias. If we need to have a war, the federal government can call these state these state militias into federal service. We should keep a navy, obviously, because you know we need to to be able to defend ourselves on the seas. Now, you know, it's the the uh, day of uh, air warfare. Of course, we need an air force. But standing armies are very dangerous. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, one of the chief authors of the Declaration of Independence, uh, he wrote in a letter to Charles William Frederick in 1786 that peace and friendship with all mankind is our wisest policy, and I wish that we may be permitted to pursue it. Uh, then George Washington, in a letter to Reverend Jonathan Boucher in 1798, said, peace with all the world is my sincere wish. I am sure it is our true policy and am persuaded it is the ardent desire of the government. So, folks. 
the great men who founded the United States of America understood how dangerous war was, how dangerous standing armies was to our liberties, to our independence, to our, to the, our health as a republic. We need to get back to a proper understanding of that. There's nothing patriotic about sending our young men to go die in foreign lands, in the civil wars of other countries. Not only is it idiotic, it is being used to destroy our country, destroy our freedoms, and advance the sinister, evil agenda of the deep state. I'm Alex Newman. This is Behind the Deep State. Thank you for watching. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Get this information out, folks. The fake media will never tell you this. We rely on you guys to get this information out. Get it to your family, to your friends, to your pastor, to whoever needs to see this. Don't let us be rushed into another war that may well end up being the death knell of our country. Thanks again for watching and God bless.